Demons Discuss, TV Show Review, Season 2, Episode 4. Welcome to Demons Discuss, the unofficial podcast about the All Souls universe and the topics that orbit it. We are your hosts, Angela, Jean, and Valerie. I am Valerie. With me is Angela and Jean. Hello, ladies. Hi, everyone. Hello, everyone. And what are we talking about today? Angela, we're talking about episode four. We get to go back to present time and see what our counterparts are up to. Oh, my God. I know. <laughs> it was so great seeing all our old friends' names flit across the screen during the credits. Oh, my oh, heart was like, yes. This is like, ah, we'll, we'll see what in the spoiler zone. But remember that one chapter episode that we did where it was just off the chain? <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. yes. Yeah, that, yes. that was. Mm. But we're entirely in present time this episode. And you know what? I was, how, I didn't know how I felt about going there um, because I had missed 1590 already, but it's a wonderful reprieve. It's a good palate cleanser. Yes, definitely. And it had the right tone. I mean, the chunks that it dealt with, it was very of a whole. It didn't feel like we were just parachuting in for a bunch of info dumps and plot push. And it was arranged cleverly. Yes, agree. Yes. Mm. Yes. And the music was all awesome. This this is so awesome. I I can't wait for you to give commentary on it, Gene. Yes. (laughs) I just made a note of like the song. I'm like, I can't wait to hear what Gene says. (laughs) Oh, have I got commentary on all of the selections today. I just see I tune in to listen to listen to. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I just couldn't find the artist who did the cover at the end, which we'll have to work on that some more. We'll talk about it later after we we pay our bills, ladies. Oh, let's do it. It's time for us to get... Are you putting us out on the street corner again? I'm gonna. <laughs> <laughs> time to work the corner, people. <laughs> this podcast is sponsored by our patrons via Patreon. Patreon is important because it helps us produce this podcast ad-free. No one wants ads, so you won't hear us talking about toothbrushes, underwear, food delivery services that deliver food you still have to cook. I mean, what the fuck up with that, yo? And if there's never enough of it when you're done cooking it. I because know. They think everybody eats like birds. I'm still hungry. What's with a little food? (laughs) Got to call out for pizza. I'm still hungry. Well, that just defeated the whole freaking purpose. Exactly. You you ordered and prepared appetizers. Right. (laughs) Exactly. Well, what was for dinner? That. That was your dinner. You're done. You got that little playing card size piece of chicken. That's right. I don't care if they say that's a serving. No. Just not in this house. It's not. You sit down and you cope. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so this way we're still able to pay for pricey things for this podcast that would otherwise come out of our pockets. And that keeps this endeavor of ours from being at a status slightly above, you know, vanity project, I think. (laughs) (laughs) So, Gene, why would someone become a patron? Hypothetically, at least. Hypothetically, of course, because you know, your return on investment is fantastic. Mm. Even at the $2 level, you get our company every week. On the off weeks, you get the after show. So you get the demons in your ear every single week. Whether that's helpful to your sanity or not, the jury's still out. As the levels move up, you get all kinds of stuff. Stuff? Like what kind of stuff, Gene? Depends on what Val's mood's in. It can be anything from stickers to pins to 
hopes to maybe even a t-shirt this year. I don't know. I'm excited. You have to stick around and find out. <laughs> it's like, and it's always emblazoned with your love for the All Souls trilogy and the demons. So there you go. Also, everybody, no matter what the level, gets entered into our demon roulette every quarter. And let me tell you, folks, those prize packages are off the hook. Kind of like Louisa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess we'll see about that, won't we? Yep, first. Mm. Hey, you know, last week's preview, everybody saw it's going to be something. Mm. So if you guys are interested, go to patreon.com slant demons discuss. And I'm going to need a drum roll because it's time for us to announce our random patron sponsor. <laughs> Random pastry and sponsor this time is, excuse me if I pronounce this wrong, Betsy Spahu, I think. Spahu, if I did it wrong, I'm sorry. <laughs> but thank you. It was a valiant effort. Thank you so much, Betsy, for thank you. You know, thank helping you very us. Much. Yay. Oh, we should do our disclaimer here, I think. Yeah. Speaking of valiant attempts. <laughs> So here is our disclaimer. In the first portion of this episode, we will attempt to only talk about the things we are presented with on screen. That means we're, there's not going to be any book talk. So for those of you who just listened to these episodes for our TV recap and haven't read the books yet, and you don't want anything spoiled for you, we will give you a warning and we will say goodbye to you. So you have the option to stop the podcast and opt out. Opt out. There you go go. We will warn you. Now, notice I said attempt because it's not always possible. We are OG book readers. And yeah. A lot of the stuff flies out of her mouth and it makes things really fun in the editing room. That's true. That's true. Although with this episode, we might have a little less trouble since it's pretty much all off the page anyway. Yeah, that's true. true. That's true. So bear with us, but we will definitely make a mighty attempt. All you book readers, stay past the alarm signals we throw out there, and we will discuss everything about the book and the comparisons to this episode we were presented and our thoughts of the adaptation as compared to the book. Yeah, but even yes. in the spoiler zone, we won't flip ahead to future episodes. The future TV episodes, right? Yes. Yes, yes absolutely. We will maybe talk about the previews that we got at the end of this episode. Yes. But beyond that, no, we will not jump ahead head and give out the store. We're going to let you enjoy that on your own mm -hmm. time. Yeah. I think that's it for that. I think we covered it, right? Yes. So let's start the wagon. And <laughs> we are opening and we are definitely in Oxford. Oh, you know why? I know because I was there. My heart just beating, 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 beat so hard because it's like, oh, I remember that. And we walked right there and I was, oh, I was very squee. I know Very the opening sweet. shot, the aerial mm. shot. It was just magnificent. I did the same as you. I'm like, and this is where we came out of the bodling, and this is where we saw the red cliff, and then we walked around and saw also. And, and, and that's where we ran, and that's where uh, Laura and Tunk Company ambushed us under the bridge of size. Bridge of size. Like, yes. I know. Remember? Do you remember when we were walking down that side street, and we we're like, oh. let's just go here, and it yes. just showed up. We we're like, the bridge of size. That's it. It's right there. Oh my god. <laughs> 
I literally stopped dead in my tracks. It's like, I thought that was only something people did in books. And it was like, no, oh my God, no, it happens in real life too, people. <laughs> oh, there was some pearl clutching. We're like, oh, it's right there. It We're does here. exist. <laughs> Anyways, so, we digress. We digress a lot. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But that's something that I wasn't expecting to be plopped into Oxford. Yes, I know. And, and plopped into Oxford the way that they did. It was kind of like mm-hmm. the cold open was almost like dropping a rock in the pond. The pond being yes. the Bodleian and the fact that that was where all of the action took place last season with Diana and the Book of Life. Right. right. And, and the entrance on a bike it was so reminiscent of yes, how we entered so with Diana. Yep. I just love how they, they keep doing that. Yeah. I was going to say, it's it sounds cliche to say the common threads, but it's so beautiful that it ties it all together in a big package. And those aerial shots of Oxford are stunning. Stunning. Mm-hmm. It's a very sexy setting. <laughs> so now we have someone new on their bike. Now it's a young man and he parks his bike and then we see some swift movement. Next thing we know, a vampire, we assume, uh-huh. uh, has got him. <laughs> I mean, this, this kid is done for. And back to the whole callback to season one, Then th- th- this is like the exact opposite of Juliet. But we yes. know he's going to meet the same end and we just get the tail end of that where it's like, dude, you're done for. Right. I mean, there's, there's no preliminaries here, but it's like, this is the essence of a vampire. Yes. And that's just it. I mean, with Juliet, you kind of got to find out the... Her stalking methods. How they operate. The stalking yeah. methods. Yeah. How vampires yeah. operate. And this one is just like, whoa, what just happened? This is like random prey. Yeah. And there's not the sexy music. There's not the build up. You don't get any sex or glamour seduction. You just get like a dirty, painful death here. It's yeah. Like, and this guy was literally minding his own business. I know. <laughs> He's like, la, la, la. What the fuck? <laughs> but, but think about this too it also ties back to the Matthew that we were getting this season it's like mm-hmm. the you don't know me or, or what I'm capable of at all I mean yes. because in season one Matthew is so sexy and, and seductive and he's that vampire we all fall in love with and I you know it's like if you're going to do a vampire romantic hero you better have a, B, and C. But right. here mm-hmm. is the, the flip side. This is the horror horror genre vampire where, where it's like stalking in a, like I said, a dirty, painful death. Or a quick meal. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, you, you know, you're dead next to a dumpster. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, it's like a bad cold open for law and order, for God's sake. <laughs> right. There's nothing. Yeah, I mean, we go from the glamour of Oxford to the dumpster. Mm-hmm. And it's probably the White Horse dumpster, by the way. <laughs> All those empty gin bottles. <laughs> okay, so now we're in a new scene. We have a nice, quiet lounge. Domenico is there just chilling. He gets a call. From- no pun intended. Yeah, no, no, no <laughs> he's pun looking, intended. And he's looking awful swoon-worthy, you know, just planted there in the middle of the lobby. Yeah. He is. You know what? I took note of that, and Greg does not get enough uh, notice uh, yeah. as Domenico and, and his subtleties and how he's the smooth operator. Maybe as the season picks up, uh, yeah. he will, but I don't think so right now. You made me think of that Chardin song. Okay, I won't sing it. I won't sing it. Okay. Just chilling. No pun intending. (laughs) He gets a call from his cop friend. Uh, You guys remember his little cop friend, right? Yes. Yes. And it's happened again. Okay. So from that point, we enter into the theme music. Yes. And then we slowly move it to like uh, 80s music. Was that New Order, right? Yeah. Well, I was just going to say in about the opening credits, it was so nice to see everybody that we've spent all of season one with pretty much on the roster. It was good. Yeah. I'm like, oh, yay, everybody's here. (laughs) 
Anyways, yes, we've got New Order True Faith. Yes, and we're bopping along to it because, you know, we're of the generation where we grew up with that shit, so they know how to get us, right? Well, (laughs) and what's kind of interesting is of all the New Order songs to pick out, it wasn't Blue Monday, it was True Faith. And think about the title, think about what we're going on. And I mean, we're talking about Marcus here and his, he he is, he's got an earnestness and and true faith in Mm -hmm. what he's doing is right. And it, it kind of foreshadows everything that we find out in this episode about him and the job that he didn't want to take as a grandmaster and just how his life is changing. Yeah. And, and it, it foreshadows his actions per, further on down into this episode, which we'll get to in a little bit. I mean, and plus, it's yep. one of my favorite New Order songs. So, you know, thanks, music editor. Good. <laughs> Kudos to you. OK, so we're with Marcus. And he's entering Cooper Sinclair Auction House across the street from Blackwell's, if you guys were paying attention to yep. the uh, reflection there. And as we enter the door, we see two women discussing another murder. Oops. Along comes Marcus, and he lets the ladies know that he's interested in purchasing a lot. One lady's like, yeah, sorry, our manager's fully booked. The other lady's like, um, yeah, let me stop that. <laughs> that's that's got to be like an odd segue, though. Like, yeah. you know, there's a murder on the loose. Hello, strange man <laughs> with the cold hands. Right. Come to my office. <laughs> Come to my office. Let's stop that. And she's like looking at him like, hmm. I'll take him. Which is my question to you. Mm. She took him immediately without question. Right. Yeah. Do you think she felt the intrigue and the, I don't know, the allure of him? Like you said, they don't glamour like they do in True Blood, but do you think she felt some sort of attraction? Or Are she you, just, she, just for the sake of the story, they she just took him right away? I mean, the lady, just look The lady at bits went off. I'm sorry. She kind of looked at him like a snack. <laughs> I'm like, girl, I don't blame you. <laughs> it's a slow Monday. Right. Why the, hell not? <laughs> Why the fuck not? I'll take him. I got it. Don't worry. About it. <laughs> of course you do that. So see, that would have been, I would have been the, the blonde woman and you, you would have been Phoebe. I'd be like, I'd be like, I'd be like no. <laughs> Our manager's gone. I'd be like, no, yeah. I got this girl. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, come on the show, Ed. Anyway. <laughs> um, I promise we don't bite. <laughs> We learn her name is Phoebe Taylor and his name is Marcus, of course, and we knew that. Marcus Whitmore, he apologizes for his cold hands. Oops. Sorry. She leads him to her office. I guess they have a small talk. In, on I the know. Way. I like that she re- listens to podcasts. <laughs> we appreciate that. Yes. Yes. Thank you. She was listening to some podcasts and he lets her know that he listens to New Order. Mm. She was We like that impressed. too. <laughs> And she's like, yeah, I never heard of him. Whatever. I came to the realization that that's possible. Yeah. <laughs> it's so true. How how do you not know? Oh, right. See, being, being childless is kind of nice because I can live in my little bubble where everybody still knows who New Order is. And, and there's nobody pointing out to you. It's like uh, that old music mom put it away. Oh, right, right. And the Pet Shop Boys and, you know, all of those. Mm-hmm. So they get to her desk and then the sparks in my head are flying already. Okay. Um, You know, I'm going to enter a clip here. So let's check in with them. Yes. Right. What would you like to know? I would like to buy it. Our auction lots aren't available for advanced purchase. Well, the auction estimate is 80,000 pounds. So do you think 200 grand might do it? That's... Well, in excess of our valuation. 
My grandmother has really set her heart on these. I'm afraid that you'll have to bid for it this afternoon. <sighs> Look, if it was up to me for 200, I'd let you take it. Why aren't you in charge here? You should definitely be in charge here. Well, I'm working on it. She brings up the pictures, and it's Diana and Matthew. The miniatures. Um, do you want to comment on this now, or do you want to wait till the spoiler zone before we tear this shit apart? Well, I we, think can, we can comment on it on now because everybody's at least seen the covers. Yeah, I mean it's it's not a book spoiler. Yeah, and we did we did comment a little bit last episode because when they were given to Jack, we kind of gave our opinion as well. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Um, yeah, and it makes me extra cringy only because Lachlan was pointing out how they actually went to the portrait gallery and visited the miniature room. <laughs> it's like, and this is what you can And this is what people? you got from that. <laughs> no, no. I mean, they don't look enamored. They look like they need a colon cleanse. <laughs> <laughs> so when Phoebe opened the box and Marcus's face... Mm-hmm. Is that what you're picturing? What we're what we're saying? Yeah, like, oh, yeah, it's like, oh. <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> what kind of painters did they have back then? Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Clearly, they did it for memory. <laughs> Jeez, we're at Septour now. Sarah and M are eating, and enter Isabel. She's got an iPad with her. She lets them know pictures have surfaced. The portraits of Diana Matthew are out there. Mm. This is exactly the Sarah, though, that we love and know from A Discovery of Witches, the, the book. And, and of course, last season. But she's like talking around a bite of food about talking how great Mart is and don't get rid of her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah but she's also, she also gets kind of unglued pretty quick, too. Yeah, that's true. Yes. That's our Sarah. Mm-hmm. OK, so uh, Marcus found portraits in an auction house in Oxford. Of the late 16th century. So, oh, Sarah and Emma are like, they made it. Hooray. Yay. You know, and Isabel informs them that Marcus is making the purchase that afternoon. So fade into the auction house and Marcus makes that purchase at 94K pounds. Okay. As opposed to the 200 he'd like try to offer earlier. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, look, I money saved your grandma some money. Yeah. <laughs> Phoebe's got a little smile when, when he yeah. wins. It's like she's secretly cheering him on. So yes. I'm like, mm-hmm. So let's go visit Phoebe and Marcus finalizing the portrait purchase. I just love these two together. So you're just going to hear a clip of it. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because they're adorable. I think they are. Mm-hmm. You just saved your grandmother a fortune. Hope she appreciates it. They're saying I can't collect them till tomorrow. You couldn't pull a few strings, could you? I can pay cash. I'm sorry. We don't accept cash. The items have to return to the vaults until your payment clears. I was heading to France, right? Well, I suppose I'll have to delay. Whatever will I do with my free evening? I don't know. Maybe stream some old man dance music. You Googled New Order? Nice doing business. After that, we head to Venice on a boat. We are with Peter, of all people. Oh, and Bad Daddy. Yeah, we're, he's going to meet Gerbert, a.k.a. Bad Daddy. 
Sarah was right. So apparently one of the Madison Coven did snitch. The cheerleaders blabbed. (laughs) And Peter is relaying that there were vampires and demons at the Bishop House. Peter goes on. Before Matthew disappeared into time, he had formed his own cabal. Ooh. Ooh, I like that word. Cabal. Mm -hmm. Demons, witches, and vampires working together in secret. And Gerber is grouchy at this news. Another de Claremont conspiracy. (laughs) Can I say, though, Trevor Eve commands any scene that he's in. I mean, Owen Teal is is no slouch. He does too. But just the way they've costumed him with the hat and the coat and, you know, just the whole persona. He takes no shit like modern day Godfather. Yes. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Peter says it's about the book of life. And Peter's a little bit panicked. Like, Uh you know, Matthew and Diana are so far ahead of them. Let's team up. And Gerber is about to take him upon his offer. And then we switch scenes into Gerber's house. And he's serving drinks. And Gerber Bear has a map marking the book's travels. Yeah, he pulls out this whole whole freaking file like, dude, I've been working on this way longer than you've been around. (laughs) And he's like, that is everything that he knows about the Book of Life. And he's got this whole map. And you know, that's probably not all that he knows about the Book of Life because this is what we're talking about. So now we are at another house. Agatha is there because we hear her talking. Yay! Yay! And look at Marcus. He's sat at the table like a nice boy. Oh, his mother raised him well. Agatha is assuring them, uh, Nathaniel and Marcus, that if their whereabouts become known, speaking of Sophie and Nathaniel, Baldwin will let them know because Baldwin owes Agatha a debt. And if we remember from last season, that was the whole decapitation vote. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, fair. We find out it's Marcus's house and he's been stashing Sophie and Nathaniel there. Marcus is like, nah, bruh, don't worry about it. I love having you here. You know, he seems genuinely happy to have Nathaniel with him. Plus, you'll need protection. Nathaniel's like, dude, we're already breaking the covenant by living with a vampire. Meanwhile, Agatha is cooking some colorful deliciousness. I don't know what she's doing, but she's cooking. Yeah, she's awesome. Yeah. Then Agatha is explaining the problems they face. Sophie giving birth may go unnoticed, but the grandbaby of a congregation member. Whoops. You know, mm-hmm. not good form. No. So we find out Miriam's in the other room because she calls for Marcus. Miriam, I guess she's taking blood samples from Sophie and Sophie's offering it all up. Can have you whatever you need is what she's saying. And Miriam's having Marcus look over some of Sophie's charts. And it turns out the baby has fetal arrhythmia. Uh, heart rate issue. No big deal. So they're telling Sophie that she's going to have to give birth in the hospital. Yeah, which kind of makes it a big deal. (laughs) Since it rules out home birth, it's not a big deal, but it's a big deal. Sophie protests that they plan for Marcus to deliver to avoid attention. And that's the important part. They just want to have this baby and be good, right? And Marcus assures her that it's a risk they'll need to take. And okay, that's fine. I know. I love to hear that Marcus was being like the grown. I mean, we don't see Marcus as a grown up in last season in in his element. And here he yeah. is like, wait, right. He is a doctor and he knows shit. I loved it. I just thought it was great. He's just like, no, we need to do it this way. And he's yeah, it's just another new dimension we see of him. Now we're visiting an old boy. I think it's the boy from the bike earlier. He's in bad shape because he's dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, some vampire empire tore him the fuck up uh, yeah it pretty uh, much eviscerated i mean it kind of it was it was like three times as bad as what juliet did to matthew yes yeah and domenico is examining the body and then he calls gerber he's being sniffy yeah i know <laughs> he does sniff right domenico yeah. is uh 
He doesn't recognize the scent. Not a de Claremont. Yeah, but Blood Rage is back, baby. Gerbert tells him to trek it, and there has to be a link. But the Blood Rage is back, just like Jean said. Yeah. So off goes Domenico, and I guess he's tracking the scent. The night suits him, especially yeah. in the night suits Oxford, because this is just beautiful. Agree. And it made me think, I mean, Greg Chillen had a IG story or Instagram story about a night shoot, and this that was for season three. Yeah. But obviously, I thought, oh my gosh, I'm glad there's more night shoots or Domenico at night, because I agree, Jean, it suits him very well. Slinking around like that. Yeah. And it reminded me of our night prowling around Oxford coming back from uh, the head of the river. Oh, yeah. Because Oxford is it's just so pretty at night. Pretty much shuts down at night. <laughs> I was going to say, well, we couldn't get any gin after that. Oh, that, that was not so, what I that was not so nice. Thank God we had some at home. Uh, so he hears a heartbeat and we're watching a shadow flitting around a building and Domenico goes to investigate. It was the auction house and we were talking off mic that I didn't realize it was the auction house at first. And I was like, oh, shit, he's tracked yeah. it to the auction house. And whoever is down there just flitting around yeah. is in the auction house. Ooh. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, our, for my first viewing, I thought he was like maybe reminiscing it on some, some bickering he had with Matthew in front of that building in Oxford, you know, right. 500 years ago or something. No, right. Nope. He was he tracked that scent to the auction house of all things. Mm-hmm. And he knew. I mean, he, that vampire was in there running around doing his stuff. And he's like, I'm not about to confront this but I'll go in afterwards. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll take a look later. I'm not stupid. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'll get a bargaining chip out of it either way with less right. and this will be with far less hassle and risk to my right. tailoring. And he did it yeah, he did have to do cleanup anyway, so that was That's true. a burden. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay, so it's daytime again and we're at the same place. Marcus heads back to the auction house. He's approaching the place, but we pan to a basement. I'm assuming that's the basement mm-hmm. where Phoebe is talking to secure. Uh, I don't I thought it was security at first, but it turns out one it's one of her co-workers. Yes. The vault was broken into. The portraits have been stolen. And we flashed to Phoebe trying to explain it to Marcus. The security guard had vanished. And Marcus is rather concerned about the picture's location. Like, oh, you got the police on it? What's going on? Because we know the backstory. This is not something he wants anybody else to see. Yeah, she's all, don't worry, you'll get your, we'll refund you your deposit. Like, that's his concern at this point. (laughs) It's it's like when you, when you get takeout and they forget to pack something in the bag. Like, well, you can just come back. You're like, no. No. I just wanted soy sauce. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, new scene. We're back at Septour. Isabel and Sarah and M are walking outside. Sarah goes, it's Peter Knox. I know it. They're all bickering, too. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, there was some crone energy going on there. I'm here for it. <laughs> I am certainly here for it. So Isabel gets a text and it's your bear. He wants to meet. Ugh. And she treats it like fucking pesky asshole, you know? Well, he's right. a pesky asshole. <laughs> Isabel tells the witches to stay inside. We pan over to somebody like fucking desecrating herbs again. (laughs) Yeah. Sarah, not unlike her niece in the last episode, pulverizing herbs out of frustration because they've been quarantined in the house. And we feel her, you know. Oh, did I ever? (laughs) They're at stay at home order too. Talk about fiction fiction imitating real life. My God. Right. Yeah. (laughs) 
M suggests finding out why the book is connected to Diana. They'd be doing something productive. And Sarah's like, yeah, right. How? We've only got one page. And M's like, maybe we should connect to somebody who did. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Stephen did. Maybe Rebecca did. eh? She's she's trying that old trick where you try to make it the other person think it's their Their idea. idea. (laughs) (laughs) Their own bad idea. (laughs) Well, since you mentioned that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sarah gets extra edgy and says, "If you're proposing to summon the dead, forget it." You know, mm-hmm. and then it's and like, says, mm, "But I've had a lot more practice." I'm like, "Oh, she's like extra yeah. thirsty here." Like, uh, don't you want to help Diana? I mean, why? It's, it's almost like yeah. Sarah operates by some witch manual because when Diana put Ashmol 782 back, she's like, "Okay, section four, subsection 2.5 says you should never. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you don't understand it, you should examine it." That's and then right. she's got like. like Oh, it's like a witchcraft operating manual. And then, yes. yes. <laughs> like I said, yes. and walks right into it. She's like, yeah, but I've got a lot more practice now. It's like, oh, why didn't And Sarah's like, that? that's not on the checklist. <laughs> right. <laughs> Oh, my God. The manual says no. <laughs> yes. It's like one of those, did you do this or this? Yes or no? Yes. <laughs> right. The flow chart. Yeah. Oh, God. Totally a flow chart. M's like, I'm more experienced. Yeah. I'm just out of practice. And it's like, oh, shit. Then Sarah. Oof. Sarah I mean, goes off. And I always listen to Sarah her reaction. Off. There's a history here, obviously. You can find out what's inside that book and why it's connected to Diana. We'd be doing something productive. How do we do that exactly? We only have one page. We need to connect with someone who did. We know Stephen did. Maybe Rebecca did too. If you're proposing to summon the dead, forget about it. Don't you want to help Diana? Do you remember what happened the last time you got into higher magic? I'm much more experienced now. There's a little out of practice. Oh, my God. You've already tried. I need just a tiny experiment. I just want to see if I could connect with something. You can't do this to me. Listen, when Diana returns, she'll have come into her magic. She'll be able to call up the book herself. You don't know that. Swear to me you won't do it again. I knew you were going to react this way. Swear to me. Okay. Okay. Oh, honey. All right. Whatever you want. I just want you to be safe. After that, Emily's like, yeah, oh, okay. And she's totally got her fingers crossed. I won't. Uh, yeah. I promise. Oh, I won't so crossed. deal with Toes it. Toes crossed, too. Yeah. Back at the auction house again, Marcus is back to see Phoebe where he asks her to dinner. I'm like, mm, okay. <laughs> yeah. I don't bite. <laughs> I don't bite. I love that. And right across the street at the White Horse Domenico is spying on Marcus and Phoebe walking out of the auction house under the umbrella. Mm. So now we're at dinner and they're having interesting banter. And I have to say, Phoebe is properly worthy of my Marcus. And this She's is the moment I realized too. it. She's yeah. worthy of demon love. <laughs> What a beauty. And our love for Marcus is not misplaced since he likes weird. Yeah, that's true. Oh. She's a doll. So Domenico walks in as they're getting to know each other and glares at Marcus. Marcus excuses himself to, you know, talk to my grandmother because I promised to call her <laughs> yeah, before I, I gotta dinner. call her right now. It just harkens me back to that book episode. Hello, uh-huh. Marcus? Hello? <laughs> Hello? Hello? <laughs> 
and to me, it's not even off-putting that he could be otherworldly or mysterious, or it's the fact that he's got to call his grandmother all the I time know. that might be, put me off. Oh my gosh. Then uh, then we've got Domenico and Marcus out on what looks like to be a rooftop bar with the boots and pants music in the background. Oh, yeah. Yes. Sorry, boots and pants and boots and pants. So he's talking to his grandmother, right? Oh, uh, can we put the clip of him talking to his grandmother in? Because those two yeah, are quote so unquote. hilarious. So let's check in with them. Wherever there's trouble, there's a declam on. What were you doing at the auction house? I'll ask you the same question. Okay, first off, you're not really my type. And secondly, you could really do with a breath mint. You have no idea what's happening in this city, do you? So tell me. A vampire is murdering warm bloods. Yesterday morning, a man was killed on his way to work. Then last night, a guard at the auction house was ripped to shreds. I caught the killer's scent, tracked it inside, and found the guard in the vaults. Had to clean up the mess before the police found out. Did you take anything? Oh, sure. Help myself to a few Rembrandts. This is serious, Marcus. Whoever's doing this is infected with blood rage. My grandfather eliminated blood rage centuries ago. Apparently not. If this keeps happening, we'll be exposed to the humans. You know what that means. You hear anything, you see anything, come find me. Make sure your date doesn't start asking questions about the missing guard. Of course, he was not talking to his grandmother. He was talking to Domenico. And Domenico had some things to say. So we're back with Marcus. He returns to the table. And Phoebe's been nursing her gin and gets chatty about the portraits and touches a nerve. She starts talking about the missing guard, the one subject that Domenico had just told Marcus. She better not be talking about that missing guard. You better make sure about it, you know. Make it stop. Yeah. Make her stop. Right. So he shuts down. Yep. She snaps him out of it. She's like, so hot and cold. I guess that's your thing. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's <laughs> oh, okay. so not good. Marcus is like, my bad. You know, whatever. I'm sorry. I'm so upset. <laughs> my grandma was so upset. <laughs> I guess he smooths things over because the next thing we know is that they're giggling in the street afterwards. And we wind down the night and Phoebe says, you don't like talking about yourself. And Marcus is like, my life is pretty complicated. Yeah. And Phoebe must find that fascinating because she goes in for the kiss. Again, yep. is this Phoebe, not Marcus. I like yeah, it. It's she's very... forward. I like it. I like yep. it a lot. And again, Phoebe, I don't blame you. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they bid each other good night and off in the cab she goes. Yes. And we get Bruno Mars old fashioned. Mm. part of our soundtrack this time. It was very good. Very nice. So back at Marcus's, he's having a chat with Nathaniel. They're talking hospitals for Sophie to have the baby. And what did you think about Nathaniel's comments about the Knights? Loving me some Daniel Ezra and his lecture on the rebrand. Yes, that's exactly what I took away from it. And like, that's so spot on of what the take would be. Right. And I remember us wondering about the current state of the Knights in Mm -hmm. our book chats. Mm -hmm. Like, what are they doing now? Are they a bank? Are they this? (laughs) 
Yeah, it's like, yeah, they're just kind of like on hold, it seems, even with all the bullshit going on. It seems so much of a shade of what it used to be. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and they are antiquated. I mean, even the congregation is antiquated for Baldwin to almost get his head chopped off. (laughs) Yeah. And for them to say, yeah, we should pretend to like democracy. It's like it's been around for an awful long time, people. Right. Right. So, you know, after that little chat and it's like, yeah, you know, you should rebrand it, bro. It's fine. And Nathaniel goes off to bed. And just as he goes upstairs, Marcus's phone rings and it's Phoebe. Gotta love it. She wanted to give the evening a proper close, I think. Mm-hmm. It's the booty call. Yeah, gotta love <laughs> I it. <laughs> I love my forward girl so much. And so now she's in the house. She starts asking questions. Is Whitmore your real name? Are you really a doctor? Man, she's fucking Nancy Drew, isn't she? I know. Yeah. Yep. How do you afford a place like this? Like, wow, nosy. <laughs> God, I know. Rude much? <laughs> Marcus is really vague and Phoebe knows he's hiding stuff. And I, I see it. Yep. She's all like, are you a superhero? And then he says, yeah, my latex suit is upstairs, baby. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> well, that did it. Uh, sexual mayhem achieved. And I want to say that Marcus and Matthew are quite different in this regard because I don't believe there's any bundling going on. No, no. there was a whole bunch of overeager young man crawling them to places and on top of things that, well, Matthew wasn't about to do. No. No, and, and Phoebe was fully prepared in all her layering. Oh, yeah. Clothing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she was ready. So now we cut to Septour again. It's evening, and Isabeau goes to meet Gerber outside of the gate. Now your thoughts on this convo. Should we oh. put a clip in? Let's put a clip sure. in. Let's put a yeah. clip in. Curious that we're meeting outside. What do you want, Gerber? I hear whispers that you're harboring Diana Bishop's aunts. I'm assuming it's lies. Of course. Of course. Did you realize they broke the covenant, inviting demons and vampires into their house, fraternizing with other species? It's no concern of mine. I've never met them. I was worried that your love for Matthew might have blinded you. What would you know of love? Philippe devoted his life to the Declaremonts and the vampire species, always ensuring that the interests of one served the other. Thanks to your son's choice of mate, these interests are now in direct conflict. My thing is, I want to ask you about this. What would you know of love? What do you mean about that, Isabeau? I, uh, I'm curious about her. It seemed like a stab to Gerber. It, yeah, yeah, it was loaded with history. Yeah. yeah. She was a real cool customer through that whole thing. Man. Oh, my God. It was good. And, and then what did you think about Gerber saying, you know, Matthew's going against everything that Philippe stood for and why he set up the congregation and why he set up the knights and, you know, he's going to bring it all, his father there's legacy all tumbling down. I was like, it just made me think. Well, Gerber, why did you agree to it in the first place? Then, yeah. Well, I'm also right. thinking. Wow, Gerber has a very precise view of what he thinks is going on too. <laughs> that mm-hmm. it's almost like he's got those conspiracy theory blinders on. Yeah, he's only going to yeah. interpret it in the way that best suits him. Or he's got that wall in his house, you know, and he's got the strings all attached to pictures. <laughs> and- <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like like a serial killer stalking yeah. his next victim. Right. 
man. I just loved Isabel here because it's like at the end of that scene when she goes walking away, she did everything but just hold up her hand and flip him the bird, which she should have done. Right. It would have been very fun. My favorite line, I probably going to be a lot of people's favorite line. It's like, you traveled 800 miles for this. Next time, send an email. And the look ah, on her right. face was yes. like so dismissive. I was like, yes, girl. Yes. Ooh. I didn't appreciate that before with uh, Lindsay Duncan in no, the last right. season. Yeah, now I do. And, and that's the thing I'm also getting from that, from I guess, a cumulative effect is that these are creatures. I don't really see them as women, men, vampire, demon, mm-hmm. black, white. They're just they're just creatures and they're all, it's just so beautiful mm-hmm. that they're all equals. Yeah. They're all, and the other thing you notice too is it's not tropey. They don't exactly. feel stereotyped. They feel like they're acting true to their creatureness. Yes. For lack of a better Correct. Mm-hmm better term. So the humans are being murdered and Gerber stresses that. There's vampires infected with blood rage and Gerber is basically saying side with me and I'll hook you up. I'll make sure yeah. no one pays attention to any of this. It's like he was hoping she would like slip up. Yeah. You Which is think. like, dude, we're just stupid humans and we know Isabel won't slip up. Isabel ain't gonna slip. The look on her face told you everything you needed to know Gerber mm-hmm. and you should have known that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now in Sidestep Tour, Emily's totally messing with higher magics like she said she wouldn't. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Of course. Uh, Rebecca shows up and then she fades. And like the magic crack addict she is, she just (laughs) (laughs) slinks off back to bed. I just picture uh, semantics here. Well, I wasn't practicing higher magics. I just lit a few candles. Yeah. (laughs) Whoops. Man. It's kind of like I just happened to fall on that cucumber while I was making salad nude in my kitchen. Yeah. (laughs) I just slipped and fell on it. Yeah, somebody actually tried that excuse in an ER once. Not everything that happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. (laughs) Okay. I'm just going to carry on and pretend I'm just here. like out of the ditch. <laughs> we haven't been in the ditch for a while. I mean, no, I was, I was missing it. Okay. Oh. So where did I leave off? Oh, yes. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Am was slinking back to bed, hoping no one would notice. We noticed, Emily. Yeah, you got a problem. We see you. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, back at Marcus's after the deed's all been done. Phoebe's yeah. up looking for a drink and she finds, you know, Marcus's favorite drink. Some be positive, yo. <laughs> have, you, have you all noticed with these male vampires, it doesn't take a hell of a lot to knock them out. And then their women are always creeping around doing shit they shouldn't be. Yeah. <laughs> Just like season one. Hide your shit better, guys. <laughs> Jesus. Well, that gets her snooping for some more. You know, she opens drawers. She's finding pictures of Marcus throughout time. What a snoop. And I'll talk about this in the spoiler zone. Yeah. I mean, she's the type that'll look in your medicine cabinet. Yeah, yeah. that's where she started. Wow. What, what was she right. looking for there? <laughs> While in your bathroom, you know, that type of person. I thought it was the cutest thing, though, that Isabel would take Marcus to the Olympics. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. so. Sophie comes waddling down and Phoebe's all like, hi, I'm Phoebe. And then she points at Sophie's belly and 
It's like, man, Phoebe is just like, she does not think well of, well of her booty call at all. It's like, hmm, what's up with that? Okay, so here is my morality thing and something I would say to my daughter. You know nothing about him, but yet you fell right into bed and it just seems backward. You're like reverse engineering this. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like, now you're snooping around? Seriously, that should have been done before you were like, <laughs> get that shit out of the way first. <laughs> I know. And I just love how Sophie was like, ew, no, it's not Marcus. No, no. No, are you crazy? Bitch, please. I noticed one thing with Isling's acting that when she's playing Sophie, she has her mouth open a little bit. Like she's always in wonder. And Susanna is really closed lip, very stern, very tense. And I thought, I I think she has a terrific job. Yes. Oh, yeah. She really noticed the personality difference between the two, Mm -hmm. which I appreciate a great deal because you know how I feel about Susanna. (laughs) I know. Susanna's. mm. Uh, She she maintained this Susanna pain in the ass aura. It allows you to compartmentalize Angela. Keep the two Thank you. Yes. That's why I appreciate it. <laughs> Cut into where Marcus is kind of getting yelled at by Phoebe. Might I point out, but she was the one snooping, by the way. Yes. yes. <laughs> don't look for trouble if you don't want to find it. But okay, I'm done lecturing Phoebe. Marcus is like, yeah, can we take a walk? So Phoebe agrees yeah. to this. I mean, when she accused him of being a con artist, his eye roll was just, it was epic. Yeah. It, it, it just made my heart sing. <laughs> His, his facial expressions are just the best. And as much as Phoebe is skeptical, Marcus is being totally truthful. He's like, mm-hmm. I'm a yeah. vampire. There it is. <laughs> and did you know, again, here we go with the threads to season one, how them walking down that dark lane just echoed the boathouse in episode one. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Where he reveals his nature to her. To I should say Matthew re- reveals his nature to Diana. I just love how the director of photography and the, the director of the episode just keeps pulling things forward and changing them but maintaining this overall theme yeah phoebe after the whole story you know there's different creatures out there and phoebe's pretty much fitzio uh i gotta go <laughs> just, just like diana was right shit, she's not. like i gotta go i got no time for this yeah. shit good luck with your life marcus you're crazy and I love how Marcus, you know, reprised the human propaganda, you know, when she's like, well, where's your fucking coffin? And he's like, yeah, you idiots made that up and you bought into it. Yeah. <laughs> With the human propaganda speech, which I always love hearing the human propaganda speech. No shit. <laughs> Can't hear enough of it. So next day at Marcus's, Baldwin comes a calling. <laughs> yeah, my boy comes rolling up. Yeah. He throws a paper on the counter. Headline, Drac the Ripper. Hmm. Okay, I need to point out something. They listened to us and got rid of the bad red hair dye, and we got the salt and pepper, silver fox, mm-hmm. Tristan Gravel yeah. this season. It's Thank you. We'd like to say it's because Matthew's aging him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you, Bad Wolf, for hearing our prayers. Yes. And funny enough, we didn't even bat an eyelash when we saw him on the, the uh, cast panel at the con that he didn't have red hair. We're like, I think we were just overcome that he was on the panel. like That day. he was there. Yes. Yeah. Sleeveless, yes. showing off his tattoo. Oh, there was all sorts of other distractions <laughs> going on, to be honest. So we should have taken a clue back then, but we were enjoying ourselves otherwise. Yeah, this is true. 
What do you guys think about the convo about the Knights? Let me take it off your hands. What'd you think? I was going to ask you two because you two are the people to ask. How did you feel about that? He he comes across as, I don't know, obviously demanding, but I don't know. He seems like needy or greedy. There doesn't seem like they give a reason why he wants it. Uh, I mean, it was it was kind of opportunistic in one respect. But then when he brings up, hey, dude, all this shit's going down and we don't need you playing at it. Yeah. You know, I almost lost my head. Then it, it yes. sort of turned a little for me because then it's like, okay, this isn't just Baldwin being a greedy shit. He's, he's seeing something long range. Yeah. Right. Coming up down the track at them and he, right or wrong, he doesn't think Marcus is equipped to handle it. Yeah. And then he just goes into some truth telling here too. And the cherry on top is you get something you want, just live your own little life. I get something I want the nights and we can run it properly. There's a win win situation here that we have to examine as viewers and we're like yeah eh, he's not wrong though <laughs> but they they, they kind of just slip in there too and as a tv viewer i'd be wondering because they're like it yeah. wasn't ever supposed to go to baldwin well why not and why does he want it so badly yeah. you know? right and then roll right into you know hey then he's all well matthew doesn't want you to have it and you're not supposed to have it and i'm gonna do it honor matthew's wishes and he's like no well, matthew's been lying to you your whole life and he's just like marcus is just like huh? And Matthew didn't deserve his loyalty. Oh, mm. that was that was a great closing line. You know, he just doesn't deserve your loyalty. No, by the way, you, you've just got summoned to Isabeau's. Yeah, yeah. Go see her. Yeah. Yeah, you need to go see her. <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> yeah, I'm just the intro. <laughs> You're going to settle yeah. in for chapter one over there. I'm the warm up. <laughs> yeah. The opening act. She's the headliner, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I gave you fair warning, dude. That's right. Buckle up, buttercup. Use, use Phoebe as your after party, but I'm the headliner. <laughs> yeah. Back to Domenico. He got a call from Gerbert. He says the murder was all over the Internet and it's got a hashtag. It's a fucking hashtag. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh, I love Trevor Eve so much. Fucking hashtag. <laughs> We're at Septuor now. Isabeau was chastising Marcus. He told a human, now he's got to kill her. I mean, it was so yeah. matter of fact. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> he's got to kill her. It's delicious. So the knights, Isabeau and Marcus chat about this. Uh, she kind of gives a brief history of the knights and why it was formed. And mm-hmm. Marcus is taking this all in. And then she drops the anvil on him. Okay. It was formed to protect other creatures, but mostly... Philippe was trying to protect me. Yeah. yeah. And I, I love her line in this where she says, don't tear it down until you understand why it was built. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. Dial it back, son. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's what Baldwin was alluding to when he even he's saying he can't handle it. Like he has no idea the background, yeah. of why it was built, why it was created, why it was what the mission really was. Yeah. Angela, were you as surprised as I was at to me? It was like, wow, she was being very kind when she said Baldwin. He was going on about, well, Baldwin's trying to take the nights away from me. And like you said, it felt greedy and opportunistic. And then she goes, he just wanted to be close to his father. He needs to feel close to his father, mm-hmm. which is like so not what I would have expected from Isabel. No. For reasons no. we'll talk about in the spoilers. Yeah, zone. exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I appreciated that. I did. I was like, that's the basic core bottom line. It's like, yeah, that was kind of a book Domenico line, like not Domenico, Fernando line, where it was just, mm-hmm. here's the bottom line, pal. Yeah. And I know and I understand. So, yeah, I like that. I, I liked it. 
myself. I don't, yeah. you know. Although I don't think Fernando would be saying that about Baldwin because they've got their own. They've got issues. Yeah. <laughs> grudgy, grudgy issues. I'd love to see them to resolve. But th- so I digress. I digress again. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we hop back on, this is the Isabel that I wanted in season one. And maybe that was that was just the warm up. But this is the yeah. Isabel that I love. This is the one in A Discovery, which is the book where she's clipping the flowers with her fingernails. Right. And she's yes. just like, let me tell you. Here are the facts, Jack. Yeah, she is very much like laying down some truth. Yeah. Yes. And so she goes on to explain the blood rage. She's a carrier. Marcus is a carrier. But we do have an afflicted one. And Marcus is like, oh, <laughs> Matthew. <Ooh>. Shit. Damn. <laughs> and then this is the reason why all your kids got killed, you know. <laughs> Yeah, she's just laying it out, and he's like, "But you said yeah. I was a bad vampire. I'm sorry, man. Like, oh my god. Yeah, oh, you guys god. all knew guys this, were... and y'all didn't tell me. Well, Matthew was the one that said we couldn't. Yeah, like, yeah. But then I, so... I don't know how I felt about this reason. She's like, "Well, he was just protecting you from the truth." I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Isabel breaks it down for him. Your bear is just waiting for any little slip. They'll kill me. They'll kill you. They'll kill Matthew. They'll destroy the the Declaremonts. Yep. That's where we stop. So anything to discuss on this TV show before we go on into the spoilers? The choice of the closing song, Shout. Yes. From Tears for Fears. I mean, I think that song just, it's it's like they leave us with what is probably exploding in Marcus's brain right now. Right. Yeah. It's like. And everybody wants to rule the world. (laughs) Yeah. It's true. Oh, my but God. But it's like all these songs, I mean, the old fashioned is all about Marcus. True faith is about. And I mean, he goes from from truly believing at the beginning of this episode to having everything that it's based on shattered. Yeah. Of course, yes. he's going to need scream therapy. <laughs> uh, yeah. No shit. <sighs> oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. This was Marcus's episode in every way. It was good. I loved it. I loved it as a compliment to the books. So mm-hmm. I'm just it's all merged in, in one in my head. It's just uh, it's good yeah and all the choices all the creative choices are just so well thought out and there's no coincidences if you're thinking well did they play that song but yes they did yes they did Mm -hmm. (laughs) yes it was exactly what you thought it was so gene you have anything to add for the spoiler zone anything or oh for the spoilers not the spoilers before we go into spoiler zone yeah oxford never looked prettier Mm. oh yeah they captured it even compared to season one i mean that one episode it was just like a super dose of everything that's pretty about Oxford. Ode to Oxford. Yeah. Yes. And we can appreciate it more because, you know, since between season one and two, we've been there. Yes. yes. That's a big difference. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I think we're going to head into the spoiler zone. Yeah. If you're leaving us now, demon kiss. <laughs> and for the rest of you, stick with us and we will discuss further book, TV comparisons, etc. Mm-hmm. in the spoiler zone. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. You can contact us, send us your thoughts, email us at demonsdiscuss at gmail.com, leave us a voicemail at 360-519-7836, by the way, your carrier rates apply here, or leave one for free on SpeakPipe, speakpipe.com slant demonsdiscuss. Now, if you can't remember any of that, go to 
go.demonsdiscuss.com slant contact and all that information will be there. You can also become a discusser there, fill out the form and bam, you're a discusser. And the link to join our Facebook group is there too. Visit our main site, demonsdomain.com. And if you really feel like deep diving, go to visit.demonsdomain.com slant master post. And you can read interviews, geek out with weekly geeks about all souls universe. Read about the characters. Keep that geek flag flying, guys. Do you like what we do? Help us fund what we do. Go to patreon.com slant demons discuss. Make sure you follow us on social media. We are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, all at Demons Discuss. If you're liking what you're hearing and you want to tell the world about it, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We love them. We read them. It's wonderful. Also, it keeps Angela alive, and we need her around, okay? Keep Angela I'll open it up because I know you'll have more things to say than than I will. And I'm sure you want to talk about this topic. But obviously, the comparison between the Marcus and Phoebe chapter in the book versus the show, I think they're two standalone pieces that can stand alone most excellently on their own. I, I, I don't care that there's changes. I think it's fantastic. And there's always going to be the book chapter and there's always going to be the, yes. book, uh, the, the show episode. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, that's because you can compartmentalize very well. <laughs> See? See? Well, it's my specialty. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, and I agree with you because I think it's the difference between a 2010 Phoebe and a 2020 Phoebe. Yes. I loved it. I loved it. To, to me, the two have merged. <laughs> yeah, well, no, what I'm thinking, too, is as far as the difference between the book chapter and the depiction in the show, mm-hmm. in between times, we got Me Too. Yeah. That's yes. true. Mm-hmm. And some people might take Marcus's revolutionary rake as being a little too aggressive and right. regressive. I mean, I loved it. But then again, I'm 50 years old and I get the push and pull. But I, I don't know that um, that wouldn't resonate with no our for, modern yeah, viewers. Yeah, the not taking no for an answer would not play well. Yeah. Today. There is the consent. And well, I mean, the same could be said if we're speaking exactly equally. I mean, Phoebe just went in for that kiss. Yo. <laughs> See, I love I love the fact that they made her the aggressor and yeah. she's the one who called him. I, I think that was a very canny. And like I said, the difference between 2009, 2010 and 2021. I love that they didn't put her in heels. I love that. Mm -hmm. And I loved it in the chapter that she had heels. Yeah. I love that she wasn't as precious here. Yes. And I think they made her less precious because you didn't have the foil of the Sylvia in the book. Right. The boss in the book. It's like her button downness and her very precise and kind of wound up nature needed the foil of the ogre boss almost. It's yeah, like, right. yeah, she's clearly in a box here and she's performing within the dictates of that box. Mm-hmm. Opposed to, like you said, you guys mentioned at the beginning of this episode where it's like, oh, the boss is, I mean, they made it really clear. The boss is gone. Yeah. And she, right. she she's aggressive, but in a different way. In, in a She took the initiative a, to take him back. Yeah, initiative. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny, you know, we talk about about the book being the book and the show being the show. It, and it to me now, just hearing you guys talk, it echoes Nathaniel's words that the book chapter got rebranded. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then what you said, Jean, that it got updated for modern times because I loved in the book that Marcus slapped his idea against the peephole of the door. I love that you could feel the waves of uh, desire coming off of him. And that wouldn't have translated to the TV show today. It was more of a, a mutual attraction. 
I mean, I like that they made her take charge kind of mm-hmm. person. I don't know how it's going to play with all the Phoebe haters, but you know, who cares? I don't care. Phoebe, basically, I'm impressed. I like the extended time with them. However, yes. I did. Okay. I would be disingenuous to say that I like the snooping part very much. <laughs> <laughs> we always have, though. We've always loved snooping by proxy. The, right. <laughs> yeah. But the, the, the problem I had with the, the snooping part is it just felt very much like a plot prod. Yeah. It was a clunky way to move everything forward. I mean, she was snooping and I'm just like, I don't agree with this girl. <laughs> yeah. We don't yeah. condone snooping in real life. But right. as far as moving the plot along, yeah, give it to me. It worked out. But like, remember yeah. when I used to lament about Kit, the whole reason that put me off in the books, it was oh, he went snooping that, yeah. and I was like, that yes. is the worst thing you can do to me. Is yeah. go snooping. Again, think about it. He wasn't snooping, snooping in the show, but here's Phoebe snooping. I was like, what the <laughs> fuck, Phoebe? That would make somebody snoop. It's Phoebe. You know, I guess Phoebe's name came up in the draw. Okay, so I don't know how listeners feel about Phoebe. We haven't really heard. Maybe they'll weigh in. And Gene, you see in various places people commenting that they don't like Phoebe, but I can tell you from my point of view where I sit in social media, no one comments on her. And if they do, which is now starting to be more often, right? Uh-huh. I love her. They are there for her. Yes. And that's a change over the past few years because Phoebe was one of those hot button issues like Baldwin was. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing with Phoebe, Phoebe in the books, we don't get to know how she got no. to know Marcus. Yes. And she was, and people view her as very, I hate to use this word because it's so loaded, but it's, it was used is that they find her to be uppity. Right. Yeah. And, and not knowing her place, which I'm sorry when you're trying to say that about a woman of color is that is just, as far as I'm concerned, that's awful. Right. Yeah. I, I think it started because people felt proprietary over Marcus. Yes. So then, yes. therefore, they didn't like Phoebe, no matter what she would do. Right. And the fact that we didn't get to see the courting, the full mm-hmm. courting, uh-huh. where they went from possibly going out to dinner and him being forward to the next thing we know, she's full on living in Septour, lounging around. Like hey, how I really- feel about Chris. You know, right. which is what's really funny too is it seemed like the closer the reader was to Phoebe's peer group, the more intolerant they were. Because I've we've had this conversation with respect to this chapter of the book is that we all could relate to her being the way she was and having to defer <laughs> and assert herself all in the same breath because that was kind of the the career tra- trajectory we all took. Yeah, and that seemed to be part and parcel of what they did not like about her. It's like mm. you kind of had to walk that tightrope back then. I I really don't see it changing all that much now with the younger women associates and whatnot, but apparently they don't think it's happening. So Well, okay. I can only speak for me and how I see the younger women coming up now. They don't mm-hmm. appreciate the the line that maybe our generation because I, I really think our generation was the first one brought up to know that yes, you can go to work. There's no controversy there. You can do yeah. whatever. But, there was, but it was still a tightrope because we were the first ones actually doing it. It was very much a tightrope. It was very much there's you're always going to be working for somebody that doesn't mm-hmm. like the fact that you're there, thinks you're a kid, thinks you don't know shit. And yeah, when we had the attitude and we were brought up, we were like, oh, no, I know everything. But and, and why are you stopping me? Right. <laughs> Yeah, and I think part of the what all that's informed by is Deb is more of our. She's she's from our peer group. Yes, so she wrote the. I'm sure her experiences were similar to ours, and that's kind of infused what she wrote. Yeah, I so. mean, not excusing. 
doing some of the shit we had to do to try no. to make our peers feel comfortable so we can rise the ranks and whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. But uh, I won't say there's no such restraint. I would say there's less restraint as less far restraints. as yeah. for, for the generation behind us. Our daughters, mm-hmm. our nieces, our, you know. Yeah. Well, and there's there's more credible reliable, actionable escalation paths, too. Yes. And there's also a generation of female supervisors and bosses who already had to run the gauntlet. Hell yeah. Mm. I work for one and she's fabulous. Which makes the difference. Yeah. What did you guys think of Sarah and Emma and Septor's Emily as a higher magic addict? (laughs) (laughs) I I just like the fact that they depicted it as having there being a lot of friction between them and, and Isabeau, too. Right. It wasn't all like moonbeams and flowers. Yeah. I think this is what I pictured reading it, the very passing in the book, that I think this is what I pictured it would be. Not Maybe not mm-hmm. Emily doing, well, we didn't know she was doing uh, higher magics. So I guess it's everything I expected it would be. Yeah. I like that we get to see her practicing the higher magics this yes. time. Oh, and the visual is beautiful. How they choreographed the spell was just lovely. Because when we came back from 1590... And Sarah's explaining while Emily was, you know, fiddling with the higher magics. And we didn't really get to see that part. So it's like, wait, what? The higher magics? How is that a problem? Yeah. Yeah. We got that explained. Then it was like, how many chapters into Book of Life before it really was the higher magics were really fleshed out? Yeah. 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 I mean, and that's something I learned in that world uh, in the Book of Life was that witches don't do everything. They don't run the gamut. They don't have all the skills and they don't practice everything. There are no-nos. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then they, we got that up front here. Yeah. What did you guys think about how they front-loaded the Round Tower confession? Into I loved it. The, yeah. I th- I, yeah. Same here. I was like, yeah, he needs to have this realization before seeing Matthew again. Yeah. That's what I, I mean, thought when she was giving him like, okay, here's a chunk of the Book of Life inserted in yeah. the season. Season two, yeah. and it was helpful. I also I liked it, it was yeah. one-on-one Marcus and Isabeau, where she's mm-hmm. breaking it down without, you know, the whole family surrounding them, putting the pressure on the yeah. conversation. And it, and it being the whole, I hate you, dad. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, she was truly being the head. Of, she was being the de facto head of the family right there. Exactly. I mean, when you think of Isabeau and Marcus talking, the first thing that comes to mind, like, oh, he's because in the book, he's like, I love I love her grammar, you know, right. talking about Phoebe. Mm-hmm. That's all I ever pictured them talking about. So I loved that we got this conversation that she's really mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Philippe's general. I mean, he's gone, yes, yeah. but he, she's she's carrying on. She knows what to do. She's like, okay, yeah. you told this human, now you got to kill her. So <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that was great. I I, uh, I just love that. It's like, well, time he's to like, kill her. she doesn't understand. She doesn't believe me. It's like, well, she's got an unimaginative. She's very unimaginative. Then <laughs> no. her lack of imagination just might. Yes, save her. yeah, kind of like, yeah, yes. That's what and, and for that reason, why are you wasting your time with her? <laughs> <laughs> it's like now grandma's got another reason not to like her right I, I like that we avoided the round tower scene by doing this I mm-hmm. I like that Baldwin pushed him to it you gotta go talk to Isabel and it, and I like I like that Baldwin was he wasn't being bitchy when he's just like dude he doesn't deserve your loyalty like he's the reason everybody's been lying to you all this time <laughs> and Marcus is loyal I mean like any dude with his father right yeah. he's loyal but when you find out some of the, you know, murky goings on that yeah. you used to idolize your parent for some reason and then you're like, oh, that happened? 
Really? I don't right. want to know. And about it feels that. like you it know. feels like we're getting a lot of uh glimpses into Matthew's less than savory character traits too. Yes. I love this episode. This is gonna be I mean, they're all good. <laughs> they're all good. They're all good and they're in different sorts of ways. And I like that we're finally digging into the whole blood rage thing because that was like making me really itchy. Right. Like, Come on, we gotta introduce this soon because you just can't have these random murders keep happening. Yeah. No, no. And they weren't happening in season one. I mean, we got the one and now we know why Domenico was sniffing around that body. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The first time it's like, oh, this is what he was looking for. Turns out it was just Juliet. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was just Juliet being Juliet. Yeah. It turns out it was just Juliet, not the blood rage. But I like that we get into the meat of the matter now because we mm-hmm. need to. And every time that he calls Gerbert, it just underscores, you know, here Domenico is in Oxford and he's snooping around and trying to do his detective work and he calls Gerbert and there's that beautiful Venetian backdrop and Domenico is actually taking himself away from his city and that's what he was saying to Gerbert. This is my city. I want it back. Right. Yeah. And we finally get some of his background. Yes. Yes. And it's kind of like, you know, he's not the greedy little shit. He could, because in season one, it was always, if it felt like he was answering to Gerbert and Baldwin and it's like, and wait, whoa, wait a minute. You know, it's like for, for somebody who just watches the show, it's like, ooh, back up the bus. Wait a minute. What do you mean he ran Venice? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When, it, when yeah. it was at its height as a city state. Hold yeah. on a minute. I thought he was just a lackey vampire. It's like, well, right. no, not. No, he's willing to displace himself to get what he wants. He's not playing Frank Hardy here. Right. Yeah. So we know his motivation. He wants Venice back. That's why he's mm-hmm. wheeling and dealing and nobody is his master. He's in it for the mm-hmm. right price. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I like that. I like that we get his motivation. I still wonder about his occupation in the human world. He's in the gray area, too, as opposed to Peter and, and Gerbert, who are just plain old black hats to me. Yes. At this yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, it seems to me like he can go... He, He's still, he could go either way. Yeah, exactly. He could. And I think for right now, he just wants to live. He wants to be in the congregation and he wants his Venetian city back. Yeah, we have the goals. Now, I know I was going to say, and you may want to clear out the tourists from Venice at some point in time. That's a different (laughs) different story. It's his city to do what he wants with. (laughs) Yes. And then we go back to the whole meddling in human affairs thing, which we'll get back to that another day. But Gerbert and uh, Peter's goals seem very different to me now that I yes. see Domenico. Yes. Domenico just wants his city back. Gerbert wants to run things. Peter wants to run things. There's going to be a clash in the end. They're yeah. allies right now, but that's not going to last. Gerbert wants to be Philippe 2.0. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think that interaction with Isabel also kind of leads you to that conclusion as well. And then we also get a little bit of front loading on the whole unholy alliance between Gerbert and Peter because they brought that prior to Prague, which is we won't be there for another couple episodes, but get the glimpse that they're joining forces now instead of later. What did you think about the pacing? Perfect. Compared yeah, to the book. Good. Okay. Because if you think about this chapter in this book, what we're dealing with, you got so much more as opposed to just finding the miniatures, just purchasing them, the start of Phoebe and Marcus's mm-hmm. romance. We got so much more out of this in an hour versus the book. And it didn't feel like an info dump at all. No, No, it did not. No, Mm -hmm. it was very compelling. I love the way they arranged this. One of my favorite episodes, honestly. 
Mm-hmm. Did love the music too. So. And the music was really good. It wasn't intrusive and it also helped tell the story, which is something I'm really noticing with all of their modern, their modern choices this season. Right. They really tell the story, frankly, a lot more than just using a Fleetwood Mac cover. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, I loved in the book that he had a U2 concert t-shirt on and more Converse and this is clearly different, but it's still the same. Apples to apples. Yeah. I was going to say he still had on the sneakers because he was, he was running around in those white sneakers that were practically glowing in the dark when he was yeah, making yeah. his confession to her in the park. <laughs> That's a different style of converse. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Overall, the whole episode is good. Mm-hmm. Besides the snooping, Phoebe, I forgive you for yeah. that. That, that was a plot. That was a plot anvil. Yes. We'll leave it at that and no. not hold it against her. No, no. And, and those those mocked up photos were awesome. <laughs> <laughs> they were. <laughs> they made me chuckle. I looked. I'm like, what, why would they go to the 1948 Olympics? And it's just because they were in London. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it was right after the war. Yep. (sighs) So anything else? Anybody? I think we're set. I think we are too. We do also want to talk about our sneak peek for next week. Oh, what do you got to say about that? We're going on a journey? (laughs) We're going on a journey. We get to meet Philippe. And we're meeting Louisa. (laughs) Dun, dun, dun. There's a lot happening in five. (laughs) I don't think it's very spoilery for me to say she's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She is wheels off batshit crazy. Oh, my God. She is everything they described in the books. Yes. And more. Oh, my God, you guys. We can't wait to talk to you about Louisa. (laughs) Hang on to your seats, guys, because Louisa... Off the chains. All right. So if you guys have any comments, I'm going to remind you, please write in. I have a form set up. It's going to be on the show notes. You can email us at demonsdiscuss at gmail.com. Just put in the subject line, the episode number you're referring to, and I'll put it in the box for our later episode. I'm going to also remind you, after we're done reviewing all these chapters, we're going to have an episode dedicated to listener feedback. Okay, mm-hmm. so reach us on SpeakPipe, speakpipe.com, slant demons discuss our phone number, which I can never remember. Oh. <laughs> it's there somewhere. It's there somewhere. I'll get it for you real quick. Okay, so call us at 360-519-7836 and you can leave a voicemail there or SpeakPipe, speakpipe.com, slant demons discuss. If you call us, carrier rates apply, but you'll have three minutes to talk about whatever you want to talk about. Speak Pipe is absolutely free and that's probably best for our international audience. And uh, you have 90 seconds to spew out your thoughts and tell us what you think or just fill out the form that will be in the show notes or you can click the link in the episode notes and it'll take you to the very same form. So we want to hear from you guys. So definitely write us your thoughts. Anything else? Did I miss anything? I think you covered it. We have covered it. Let's say goodbye, everybody. Bye, everybody. everybody. There's your demon kiss, and we will talk to you next week. Demons Discuss and Demons Domain are independent and not affiliated with Bad Wolf, Sky One, Sundance Now, and Shudder. Clips of the TV show and soundtrack are used for the purpose of commentary only. The soundtrack is an original score by Rob Lane and the Chamber Orchestra of London. The soundtrack is available for purchase on iTunes.